Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Zuccarello again, your host of the Hey Joe podcast, and thank you for tuning in again for another new episode of the Hey Joe podcast, and this one is all about the the path to success for professional groomers, and I am joined today by somebody that's got a great path, a great story, unique story to share with you, the one and only Deb Compton, and maybe the name sounds familiar, maybe it doesn't, but she's going to be able to tell you why it might sound familiar to you as she introduces herself to Deb. Thank you so much for hopping on the Hey Joe podcast today. Thanks for having me. So Deb, um, you know, I, I cannot do you any justice by introducing you. Would you mind just telling the Hey Joe listener audience who Deb Compton is. All right. So basically I am this creative groomer that uh, I do pretty much everything. Um, I don't like to stop learning. So I'm always doing something. And um, just recently, if any of you have caught the show Pooch Perfect, uh, I was a contestant on the show Pooch Perfect, which is season one. So if you haven't seen it, go catch it. It's on Hulu. And you were on there with a, with a, a special uh, partner in crime, right? Somebody that was near and dear to your heart as your partner? Yeah. <laughs> so um, my assistant on the show is my son, Jordan. And um, when they were like casting us, they were like, who would you have as your assistant? And I was like, my son, Jordan. And they were like, why? And I said, because it's the closest thing I have to a clone. <laughs> <laughs> and I've met that young man and he's a great young man. I met him at the Atlanta Pet Fair this year. What a cool guy. So yeah, uh, I think you picked the perfect assistant. So thank you. I'm very proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. As you should be. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So I mean, if you've, uh, again, to the Hey Joe listener audience out there, if you, if, if the name Deb Compton sounds familiar, uh, Deb was uh, one of our celebrity groomers, right? I mean, this is what's really great is that in, in, in what we're talking about today is the success path, the potential success path for groomers. Deb, did you ever think that your path would have ever led you? And, you know, when you were when you were a groomer early in your career, would you have ever thought that this path would have ever led you to a nationally uh, broadcast uh, uh, grooming competition on television? I never thought that, number one. And number two, I was so scared to even get on stage and compete. So <laughs> I went from that to Pooch Perfect, and it was crazy. <laughs> well, and you bring up a good point, right? So you're also a grooming competitor. And yes. because probably because of that insatiable insatiable uh, uh, desire to learn and, and continue to yes. develop your skills, we got there. So tell us, Deb, so let's let's sort of walk the path of Deb Compton, right? So 
Um, what what was your professional grooming career uh, career trajectory like? What was your success? So bring us back to your earliest days. Maybe even what even got you interested in grooming in the first place? Because you know some of our Hey Joe listener audience members out there, they're probably very seasoned grooming professionals or pet care professionals. But there are some that listen to us as well that might be looking at the pet uh, pet grooming career as a career option. So tell us about your earliest days. Yeah, so my earliest days, um, I was in the pet industry since I was 16 years old. And um, I started off just because I love animals. I started off working in the pet stores and I was like a kennel tech and stuff like that. And um, so the earliest days were just like, helping to clean up puppies that we were selling. And I was like in one of those little pet stores that sold puppies. And um, I was doing that so that I could put myself through school because I wanted to be a firefighter. So I went through fire school and I went through EMT school and all that stuff. And I was still working in the pet industry and I was with, um, I was with Petco at the time. And my friend was in the grooming salon and they started to like open all the Petco's in the, in the local market. So I was in the Fort Lauderdale area and they were opening the Boca Raton store. And so I was in the South Florida market and they were like, we need groomers. And I was like, that sounds cool. Um, my friend made a lot more money than me. And I was in, I was in management and I was like, wow, like this, there's a lot more to be made here, you know? And they were like, okay, so our academy starts and you're gonna transfer out of management into the academy, which nobody had done before. And they were looking at me like I had three heads. And I was like, well, <laughs> and so I go into this academy. I went through their academy and I never looked back. I loved grooming. And my parents were like, what are you doing with um, your fire academy stuff? And I was like- <laughs> Wait a minute, you, wait a minute. You wanna be a dog groomer? You're a firefighter. You could save people's lives. And you want to be a dog groomer? Oh my God. I loved the dog grooming aspect of it because it was, it was art, you know, it's subtractive sculpting. When you, when you break it all down, you know, the hair grows out and you come in and you bring it down and you shape the dog. Right. Mm -hmm. So I loved it. And then I took it to the next level as I started to learn that there was something out there called creative grooming. Right. So I was, uh, starting, you know, early on, I was like, oh my gosh, like I was getting the magazines and I was seeing on the cover of the magazines. And then there was the TV shows that came out way back early then. And um, so I started to see early on that like, there's this whole world, you know, and a lot of money to be made. And so that's how I um, got my foot in the door in grooming and continued to groom and continued to learn and learn and learn. And um, I love learning and I love grooming. So it's really fulfilling for me. So you're no longer at Petco, right? So you went from Petco where you, you, you learned some fundamental skills, right? So, so what happened then? <clears throat> what happened after that? So I obviously, you, cause you took a, you took a huge leap forward when you said, and then I got into creative grooming, which we're going to talk a little bit about your creative <laughs> grooming experience, right. Uh, in a little bit. So what were the other steps then between learning the fundamentals and your yeah. more advanced career opportunities? <laughs> so I went through the whole Petco thing. And then, um, in order to be in management, um, you had to have like three years experience grooming, 
Um, so I kind of saw that I, I wasn't really happy in, in my, in that location and everything. And I ended up, um, transferring over to PetSmart and then I was a salon manager at PetSmart. So I, I had two years experience and then, um, went into the management at PetSmart. So I was with PetSmart for a little while. And then I transferred up from Fort Lauderdale all the way up to Wisconsin because I like this market. <laughs> <laughs> and the temperature. And um, so I ended up in Wisconsin at PetSmart. And then from there, um, I was very um, just sort of trying to find my place in the industry. And um, I had been creative grooming, but I was really just trying to find um, happiness in my life. You know, yes, I can groom and yes, I can make money. Now, now what, now what's next, you know? So I started bouncing around a little bit. Um, I went big box. And then I went, you know, mon and then I went mobile and I kind of started to try to carve out my path. And I was really struggling with that. Um, I actually felt at one point I wanted to step out of grooming. I just felt like, um, you know, where they say like people don't quit jobs, they quit management. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I found that that was one of my biggest hurdles was like the management side of it is like, if I wasn't managing, I was struggling with trying to be subordinate and, and yeah, it was a, it was a huge problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. what I was finding was there were a lot of different, I liked the corporate thing because I felt like the dogs were safer and I felt like um, everything was more standardized. And then when I stepped into the mom Paul realm, I was terrified. I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was seeing inside of the salons and the, you know, all the equipment was kind of broken down because it's kind of hard to maintain the equipment when you're mom, pa, just, they just never put money back into the business. Um, there was a lot of like discrepancy, you know, in, in my head, like what the heck is going on out here? <laughs> um, I would find things like, um, dogs being left on tables and, and just things that are just really fundamentally safety, you know, mm -hmm. concerns <laughs> that you're just like, I can't understand it. And then, you know, violence against dogs and things like that. Um, so I bounced around a lot. Um, and then at one point I ended up opening my own salon. So I kind of had this nice little marriage of all the things I loved about all the salons I was in. So I found that I was much happier and I was like my own boss and all the things were wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, um, I began to really kind of stretch out and grow my career. Um, I loved how I was running things. I loved how, um, how happy, you know, everyone was with my business. Um, I was very well known in the community. Um, really had a fun time. And then I started to really, really despise the taxes and the paperwork and the, and all the, the business side of things, you know, and, uh, sounds like it might've taken you away from the art, right? Is yes. that why it started to set kind of the business started to separate you from the art of the business, right? Right. And then I was very torn between the two. It was like, I have to groom all these dogs. I, I have to make this amount of money to cover all the overhead. And I had a lot of overhead because I had a storefront and 
and I had, and I put the money into my equipment and I, you know, and I, and I was doing everything, you know, right. And the taxes and everything else. And, um, so I felt very torn, you know, in, in that whole aspect of things. Um, and then the other thing that was tearing me apart was I, as I was developing all my creative grooming, I had people that wanted to learn and, and wanted to come out and, and like learn from me or have me come out and teach them. And then I wanted to compete. And every time I stepped away from my business, you know, you lose money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, because the revenue of my business was the physical grooming. I didn't have, you know, retail and I didn't have all the other things and nor did I want that headache, you know, inventory and retail and like all the things that I really kind of left retail because I, you know, wanted to be a groomer because I mm-hmm. hated the retail side of it too, you know, so it was like mm-hmm. just trying to find the, the me and what worked for me, you know. Um, so as I, as I continued this and was growing my, my creative career, career and like my um, my online presence and everything else, I just found that like, I just could not really make all my ends meet, um, without really physically being involved in the business. Um, so eventually I I started to realize that, and and I did this for 10 years, I ran my own business for just shy of 10 years. And what I found was I was very, um, in love with the grooming side of it and the growth and the teaching and not so much for the business. And then I began training some of the groomers for the local Pet Supplies Plus that had opened up. And I met the franchisee and I really loved that part of the business. Was like, that's something I can do. I really love like the whole um, getting back into the corporate um, so I, for about two years, uh, the franchisee had been offering me a job and I was like, no, I own my own business. Why would I do that? And like, you can't afford me. He's like, he's like, let's go over the numbers. <laughs> and when he went over the numbers, I was like, I cannot believe how much money goes back into my business to run it efficiently mm. and to run everything, you know, smoothly and and how little money I actually made for myself, that 33 and a third percent, you know, it's supposed to go back to the business, pay yourself, pay the employees, like, ah, uh. I was like, yeah, I'm technically only making 33 and a third of my money. <laughs> so, um, so I, I ended up taking the job offer from the franchisee and, and never looked back, never been happier. Um, I realized that owning my business was a stepping stone for something bigger. And as I was breaking down my body and slaving came to my table and every time I stepped away, I would not make money or lose money because I was competing and that costs money. <laughs> it was, uh, it was eye opening. So, so to recap, I mean, if there were stepping stones to define in a grooming career, right? It was the very first stepping stone, which was just an introduction to the industry, right? I mean, again, firefighter, you know, able to save lives, turn dog groomer, right? So, so just this, this, this path, you know, the, the pathway for dog groomers, and in most cases, grooming professionals in our industry, myself included, you know, I started this job as a summer or weekend job as a teenager, 
So here we are, fast forward 30, you know, six years later in the industry, right? Uh, and that's the story that many people have. But look at the look at the different stepping stones that you've had uh, in this. So for all of our uh, for all of the people that are out there contemplating getting into grooming, a, a recap of the stepping stones you have: you had introduction, then learning the fundamentals in a corporate setting, then exploring working in mobile, working in independent work, going, uh, owning your own business, going back to a corporate environment, multi-unit uh, retailer corporate environment, and then also competing outside of, outside of your employment, which is definitely a stepping stone in the career, yep. and then competing on a national stage on a televised national stage in a reality competition with Pooch Perfect. So it, 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 so for all of you, Hey Joe listener audience out there, the listeners out there, I, the reason why I wanted Deb Compton on this show, and I'm so flattered you agreed to do this, this episode with us is because I want, I want all of our grooming professionals, whether you're young in the career or you're a seasoned veteran, to know that there are multiple different paths, multiple different stepping stones along the way, but there are some attributes that will put you in the best position possible, right? Uh, to, to make sure that you, that doors open for you. And that was one reason why I've asked Deb to come on today as well. And let's talk about Deb. When you and I were talking in show prep, I said, well, how did you, how did you get noticed <laughs> along, along your path, right? Yep. How did you get noticed for Pooch Perfect? And you said, Joe, listen, this career depends on your ability to market yourself. Give me, yeah. give me a couple minute explanation about what you mean by your paths and doorways open in your ability or not ability to market yourself. Yeah, I mean, basically in a, in a complete nutshell is like, you are only as good as your skill and your professionalism and um, when you're trying to attract either a client or somebody to to recognize your skill, um, you're only as good as what you're putting out there, you know? And so I had to learn that really early. I had a shoestring budget when I opened my salon and I was like, hey, everybody, I'm really good. How am I going to tell them that? How do they mm -hmm. find me? How do I, you know, market me, you know? And so what I had to learn was like, you know, is taking amazing photos of my work, um, doing stuff that was out of the box, um, being different, you know, setting myself apart from everybody else out there. You know, if I can put a monkey on a dog's back, your dog's easy, you mm -hmm. know, um, your little shih tzu face, you know, I can make that cute and round, you know. Um, so marketing myself and, and, being professional and, and, and being, um, you know, an honest person, you know, was, was huge. And, um, I had to always, um, keep my doors open for, for any, always be a yes man is what I mean to say. Like be a yes man, always say yes. Yes. I want to try that. Yes. I want to learn that. Yes. I want to do that. Cause you close your mind and you close off any opportunity you have. You know, so for me, it was like, look what I can do. Look at my stuff. Look at my amazing photos, upgrading my phone every time I can, just because of photos look 10 times better. Right. Um, 
So, yeah, our technology um, nowadays really makes that a no-brainer for us, right? Yeah. We, we have we have far less excuses about not being able to take really great photos. Of so I once heard I once heard somebody say that the photos that they take in the portfolio that they that they create of their grooming becomes what's called a lookbook. So you yep. know, it's this it's this book that people can 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 look through. Uh, even if it's just like you said, even if it's for just the, you know, the pet parents who are trying to pick the perfect styling, you know, uh, haircut style yeah. for their, for their pets when they're bringing in just so that they, the groomer and the grooming client are speaking the same language and that visual aid really helps. So just marketing really your does. abilities there. Right. Um, yes. but you, you said something that was, that was, uh, and, and you use the word professionalism, right? Use the word yeah. becoming a professional. And, and if there's one thing that, that, that I have always strived to do in this industry is to, and the team at Paragon School of Pet Grooming and LearnToGroomDogs.com and, and everything I do, and I know that, that you're aligned as well, is what can we do to bring more professionalism to this profession? Yes. We have so many people out there that just pick up a clipper and do their thing. Whatever their thing is, sometimes they're lucky, sometimes they're not. And you have moving animals that are living and breathing and they're not perfect. And no human being on this earth is perfect. Sometimes it doesn't match up. And sometimes people make mistakes. And when you don't really know what you're doing and you're sort of practicing and learning by the seat of your pants and not really, you're not, you're not standardized in safety and things like that, um, it looks bad on all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. groomers 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 i mean what happened you know a few years ago when when PETA kind of went on their little campaign and they were like groom your dog at home because you can't trust groomers because of one thing that happened at one pet smart mm-hmm. you know and it's sad it's sad because we're most of us aren't like that at all but we have to be professional in how we handle things and standardize how we handle things so to you your know, point so, so to your yeah. point though we bring in this in this industry what you're saying is that some of the people that we share this industry with sort of bring that that not so bright light upon themselves right we bring a, a dark we bring a negative tone or a negative light uh, uh, upon ourselves in this perspective and to your point especially the public right betty pet parent out there right doesn't know what she doesn't know and and I really, you know, I have been around professional pet groomers my entire career. This has been my career as well, right? Mm-hmm. The only career I had before this is I worked in a snack bar in a bowling alley, all right, for about five months. And I knew that that was not going to be my future, right? I, I did not have the aspiration to run the bowling alley. Nothing against any of you bowling alley operators out there, but it wasn't <laughs> for me, right? But one thing I, one thing I do notice in, in our industry is, is that sometimes we've got people in our own industry that are our own worst enemy. So, you know, what can we do? You know, what can we do? So I guess when, when, when you, when you're talking about professionalism, you kind of coupled that with skills development and continuous learning. So let's, let's unpack that for a moment. This, this skills development, continuous learning, because you really, don't you think that you kind of become stifled? You sort of hit the ceiling. If you, if you, say I've, I've learned enough. And I, and you know, and I think sometimes that's a deliberate choice that people make to say, I know everything I need to know. And sometimes it's just because we get so busy in our business that we, we come in, we, we, we groom six dogs, seven dogs, eight dogs a day, and we go home exhausted the 
you know, that night and get up yep. the next morning just to do it all over again. How does, how does somebody that's like that, how does somebody that might be, if that defines, that might define 80, 90% of the professional groomers out there, how do they fit time in, right? How do they, how do they squeeze time in for learning and skills development? What, what are some tips or, or techniques you might recommend? <laughs> One of the things I hear the most when I talk about what I do and, and, the, and the way that I operate and everything, everyone goes, how do you have time for that? I make time for that. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. To be efficient, you know, to be efficient is fine. And I think that that's what you're describing too. Like the person that's grooming by themselves and they're in their salon and they're grooming their eight dogs a day, they're efficient. They pay their bills. The last thing they want to do is go home and watch a seminar or a webinar, right? They just mm -hmm. did that all day long, right? And then they use their weekend or their Sunday, Monday to completely decompress from the, the stress load that they have throughout the week. And it's very stressful. You're usually dealing with deadlines, you know, un, uh, unpredictable dogs, um, sometimes upset, you know, people that are picking up their dogs. It's very, it's very emotional. This job is very emotional and very physical, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you see that like burnout and it's usually a borderline burnout. What I've, what I've noticed is, is a borderline burn, burnout. They're, they're efficient and they're, they're basically just at that burnout point and they're not passionate about what they're doing. They sort of like their job. They can't really see themselves doing anything else because they don't quite fit into all the other realms of typical businesses out there. You know, um, grooming does offer a lot of freedom, you know, and so that's often like the payoff is the income and the freedom and things like that. But if you're not developing your skills, you're, you're failing yourself because you're just doing enough and you're never going to grow. Right. Right. So what you're saying is you have to, you have to almost, you almost have to make an appointment for yourself, right? You almost have to make, you have to make time for yourself in order to develop yourself because nobody else is going to say, Hey, listen, what you need to do is go develop yourself, right? So you almost have to do that for yourself. And and don't worry about the barking in the background. Believe me, if the if, if anybody's going to be tolerant of the Hey Joe uh, uh, listener guests and, and noises in the background, a dog barking, we just know that you're legit, that you actually have some background noise. It's yeah. almost like elevator music in our industry, yeah. right? So it, it really is. What, I hope uh, it's not like too too loud. No, it's no, no. It's fine. The, um, it's two rooms away, but the ceiling is a drop ceiling, <laughs> so it's like echoing across the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, you have a, this sort of like a sound sound duct work, right? You know, uh, yeah. and, and that's one of the, you know, and, and going back to making time for yourself, in, in LearnToGroomDogs.com, in our membership program, that's one of the biggest reasons that we have that people will will pause their, their membership for a period of time because they say, I don't have time. And oh, yeah. that just slays me when I hear that. Yeah. I'm like, it's because, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, it's like telling somebody that they need to lose weight. It's like telling somebody that they need to stop smoking. It's like telling somebody that they need to change other habits in their life. Right. Stop they almost abusing have to, yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Right. They almost need to arrive at that themselves. But what you're saying is to find that because you use these two words earlier, happiness and fulfillment to yeah. find happiness and fulfillment in this exhaustive 
job in this exhaustive career, you have yeah. to make time for yourself. Um, so let's talk about this long-term thinking because really what you're what you're talking about is not the today career, maybe not even no. the next year career. What you're no. talking about is five or 10 years from now in the career. So if we're speaking to some of the younger groomers in our industry, when I don't, I don't necessarily mean age, I mean more experience level. Believe me, yeah. we have a lot of people that start Paragon School of Pet Grooming who are career resets. These people pulled up yeah. in front of their offices uh, in their car and look at the building and say, I hate my job. Yes. <laughs> and then they want to do something. So when I say young, I mean in in, in experience, but to find the yeah. happiness and fulfillment long-term in something that's so physical, yes. right? And open up those doors like, not everybody gets on a on a reality show grooming competition, right? No, but, but to open up some of these long term, I also, I mean, I know groomers in Beverly Hills that charge five hundred dollars a dog. They only need to do two a day. Yes, right. So to open up all the different cool things in our industry, you got to keep learning, right? So right. that long term thinking. Tell me about your your vision, your view of long term thinking. So for me, you know, long term is is always learning because if you're always learning you're always growing because learning is growing right mm -hmm. um so i'm always seeking judgment i'm always seeking experiences and um new things that might ignite me right mm -hmm. and then from that point like creative for example you know it's such a such a niche market, you know, it's so tiny. I, I barely have a creative client out there. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's where it's what ignites me and igniting myself and igniting my marketing and igniting everything that, that I am and that I'm about, it, it combines everything together. And so when I put all that stuff out there, I mean, it, it's like, eventually you're going to have people notice mm -hmm. and they're either going to want to learn from you, which also ignites me, right? When people call me and they're like, Deb, I want to learn what you just did. And can I come and, and figure it out with you? You know, whatever. I'm like, absolutely. That makes me like, it makes me grow because when you teach, you're also learning, you're, mm -hmm. you're strengthening your skills. You're to be a um, teacher. You have to be a learner, right? Yes. Yes. To be a teacher, you have to be a learner. Exactly. You know, so, you said something um, just a second ago. I'm sorry, but you said something just a second ago, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want it to slip by because I think it was so profound. You're always seeking judgment. Yes. Which means, you know, we've always heard of willingness to please and a servant's attitude and all that. I like your choice of words there. You're always seeking judgment versus always, always judging. Yes. Right. So you're, you want, you want somebody to say, Hey, listen, I'd like that to be done a little bit differently or a little bit yes. better or you're, yes. you're right. So you, you find motivation in it. There's a lot of people that find that to be insulting. Yes. Those are the people that don't grow. If you're not seeking judgment, you're not growing. If you are afraid of seeking judgment, I mean, how are you going to get feedback from your client? You know what your client's going to do? Your client's going to go, mm, she's not listening. And they're going to go somewhere else. And they're going to find me because I listen. I learned that I have to listen. I have to seek judgment. They're judging your room and your skill level. 
Sometimes it's low. Sometimes they don't know what they're looking at. But most of the time, people generally know that they want their dog to look a certain way. And when you change the way that dog looks, you hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's not their dog anymore, right? Well, their dog is the center of their universe. Right. You might see 10 dogs. And I know I've said this on a number of uh, episodes and a number of occasions to anybody that'll listen, right? You might see 10 dogs that day. You might be in a facility that sees a hundred dogs in a day. Some of these full service pet care facilities see a hundred or 200 dogs a day. Yes. I've listen. I've operated them. I've led those teams before, but that customer sees one dog. Yeah. That's the yeah. center of their of, of their universe. So with that being said, this this seeking judgment and 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 forever developing, what would you say is the number one, the, the greatest negative or or problem in our industry that needs a solution? Oh um, safety standardization is our number one problem that needs a solution. Okay. You could go to 10 different salons and they'll do it 10 different ways. And I was overhearing somebody at the Atlanta pet fair and I was listening to a situation where somebody was on the phone and telling, now remember their groomer, no names, no names, right? protect the innocent. It was, <laughs> it was telling their groomer to, to put skin glue on an injury and hold the skin together and close it up. Well, number one, that should be done by a vet. That is a veterinary issue at that point and mistakes happen. It happens to the best of us, right? Mm -hmm. That should be handled by a vet. So, you know, number one standardization of safety is like prevention of infections, prevention of, you know, us looking bad Mm -hmm. as as well as everything else, you know? Mm You know, you see those stories sometimes where it's like they glued this and this back onto the dog and the, the, and the, and the owner was like, oh, his ear fell off three days after grooming. It's like, what? <laughs> so mm. it's preventable, you know, and it's just literally standard, standardization of safety. There is none. There's not even one little test to become a groomer that's safe. There are options out there for groomers. And, you know, everyone kind of, and no offense to any um, organization out there, there's been organizations that come and go. And I was involved in one of them where I was like, hey, I'm going to master certify. And that one went belly up, you know? Um, so it's hard to decide, you know, who do you choose and, and, and what do you do? And that's optional, you know? Mm-hmm. And generally it's, it's, you pay to do this and, and you give your money to an organization so that you're recognized as a, you know, somebody that knows how to do haircuts. But is there something out there that's standardized for safety? There isn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and there, so I, I like I like where you're going with the safety part of it because really, if there is, I think sometimes artists who you know groomers are artists, right? And and I've always said. Groomers are just artists with a with a with a furry canvas, right? With this this is the uh, you know it, it's it's pet art, right? But I think sometimes we 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 mistake this standardization of safety with thinking that somebody's going to come in and tell us how to trim the hair or how we should groom. I don't know that it's removing the art from the grooming, but it's maintaining the safety so that you can 
perform the grooming that you can. Yes. Melissa Verplank, our founder at Paragon School of Pet Grooming, says there's 50 different shades. You know, there's 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 10 different ways. There's lots of shades of gray, right? There is 10 different ways that 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 you can get to a perfect groom or a, a really great groom. And she stands on four tenets. And really this holds true for all of our students and everything that we do. Safety for the pet, safety for the pet groomer, efficiency yep. during grooming and a quality output, Yep. right? And I would like to even go one step further and say customer experience and safety, right? So, yeah. so, or, but, but I'm sorry, customer experience, customer experience, but those first two tenants that she's always talked about is safety for the pet and safety for the pet yes. groomer. Yes. So, so important. So, yeah. So we would agree with you. So again, at any opportunity for our profession to get more professional and be seen in a better light among pet parents and, yep. and the general populace out there. If we yes. just start with standardization of safety is what you're yes. saying is, is it would give us a huge leg, a huge step forward. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yep. At the very least, we should have something. I'm not saying go into the whole regulation. I'm not saying licensing. I'm not saying any of those things. I am saying there should be a standardized test where you go through like the corporates have. A lot of the corporates have this, you know, mm -hmm. where in order for me to be at Pet Supplies Plus, I have to go through their standardized test and show what I know, take my test and get 100% on it, mm -hmm. right? And I believe fully in that <laughs> because it's all, all the rules and stuff like that. It's there because there was a problem at some point. There was a problem, hopefully not a death, but definitely some kind of problem. Something happened where we've now, we're not going to kennel dry this breed or we're not gonna do this because this breed has a hard time breathing, right? Brachiocephalic dogs and things like that. And I think a lot of the corporates and a lot of the organizations all teach that, but it is optional mm -hmm. at best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk, you, obviously, I wanna talk about what ignites you because there might be somebody out there that's listening. So we're gonna change gears just slightly. Yeah. I want to talk about what ignites you, Deb, and that is creative styling. You don't, you're not putting all of your other styling, all of your other grooming aside, right? That's what nope. pays the light bill, right? Yeah. But it's what ignites you that keeps you fresh. And I think having that release, I think is what something uh, that uh, a professional groomer, whether you're new to grooming or even, even more so probably a veteran in grooming, you might need that, that kick. You might need that ignition. Yes. And you find it in creative grooming. So let's just spend a few extra minutes here at the end of the podcast, uh, what I would consider the grand finale. And let's <laughs> talk a little bit about one of the pathways to ignite your passion or to reignite your passion, right? Let's yes. say it's reigniting passion, could be creative grooming. And it doesn't always have to be competitive creative grooming, does it? It could just be creative no. grooming, something small, some flair inside your salon yeah. for a pet. A pet quality. Okay, group. so yeah, yeah. Um, that's definitely what ignites me is creative. And in, anyone that knows me is gonna tell you the same thing. They're like, oh, Deb and her creative stuff. <laughs> I I have an art background. I am very fortunate that I can take that art and I can marry it to that grooming. And then I'm really, really proficient in my scissoring and my clipper work and stuff. And I can bring some amazing artwork to a to a fuzzy canvas. <laughs> Yeah, you can, again, you can bring some, again, this, this fuzzy canvas, this amazing artwork that you're talking about. So if somebody, if somebody wants to dip their toe in the water of creative, yes. 
right? And and they're saying, you know what? That might ignite me, right? What would My what would <laughs> what would uh, you recommend their their first steps to be? Okay, so and 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 I'm going to say this so that it's good for everybody. <laughs> there is creative, and then there's experimentation, <laughs> and I think that um, it doesn't ignite you to do creative when you're experimenting and things may or may not, you know, go well. Uh, sometimes you intend <laughs> to put a color on a dog and it looks like mud and you like, what are you going to do? You got to shave it off or something. Cause a lot of that color lasts a long time. Right. So always be um, cognizant of your design. So I always say, take a photo of the dog you want to design, right? Think about your design. Think about what really flatters the dog and flatters, you know, what the owner might want. If, unless it's your own dog, then you know what you flatter, you know, flatters you. But take a picture of the dog, print it out, and draw on it. And even if you have no drawing skill, you have stencils, you have a lot of tools that you could do. Sometimes it's just a spiral, which is basically a straight line on a curved surface, right? Mm -hmm. So um, even a spiral cut, you know, is so gorgeous. It's so flattering. Um, but adding a little bit of color, but always do a color patch test somewhere on the underside of the dog that isn't going to be seen by the public, right? It's sort and, of like the uh, warning label that comes on all of like the, the, the products you might use to clean your couch or something, right? Please yes. use this first on an, uh, on a conspicuous area. Someplace hidden it, eh, yeah. right? Yeah. So the Not same, so same rule applies for, for creative grooming. Yeah. A lot okay. of coat types are like stained master carpet. Like for mm -hmm. real, you go to put color on it. It looks amazing. And you, you got it all on there where you want it. And then you rinse it off and it's gone. And you're oh. just like, what? So um, always use a reputable company, right? Mm -hmm. um, use everything labeled for dogs and then spot test. <laughs> Do us all a favor. <laughs> um, I've seen so many um, like posts out there where somebody brought their dog to the dog park and they put this horrible color or they tried to cover a color and it looks like mud, it's ugly. And everyone's like, why, why would you do that? And then they're offended because it's like, well, I just wanted to put color on a dog. And then there's like, you have to defend it, right? And instead of people that say, why would you do that? Are other pet parents? Yeah, yeah, that are sort of judging like, so you're saying, well, hold on, you're saying that some pet parents might think that it, and, and again, listen, I'm talking to a lot of groomers out there. And so a lot of times when I'm talking, I might ask a question like, well, yeah, Joe, you didn't know that. But what you're saying is that there are people out there that might think that dyeing the dogs or coloring the dogs is inhumane or unsafe yes. there there's many people out there that feel that way and then they they don't understand you know especially if they have a, a, a little short-coated dachshund they don't understand what grooming is the reason behind grooming and that this is just an extension to grooming right mm -hmm. this is you're not really the dog's not on the table longer than it would be on average um Generally, you're doing these in a couple of steps, especially the big creatives. You know, you're, we're not doing this all in, in three hours, right? We're doing, except on Pooch Perfect, but um, <laughs> we're doing this in like steps, you know? And, um, you know, when we're bringing the color to the dog and all the things, it's people don't understand it. So you have to understand that people aren't going to understand that. You have to understand how to talk to people, how to sell it, basically. 
and not that they're going to buy it, but sell it so that they accept it. Back it's to marketing kind of a, yourself. Yeah. And yeah. part of it might be also back to back to continuous learning. So you know how to talk to these people about exactly. what it is you do and share your passion, right? Exactly. So if you're going to yeah. run out to Sally's and you're going to pick up some human product, let's just say, uh, you know, Clairol, right? You're going to go pick up Clairol um, and you're going to slap this color all over the dog. You need to know that, um, that there, there could be pushback, right? There could be people that are like, well, what did you use? Why did you use that? You know, you're, you're going to, and then you, are you going to lie? So you're either going to be a liar or you're going to have to say what you use. Mm -hmm. And are you willing to say, Hey, I walked into Sally's and I just picked up a, you know, a box of color, right? Can it be used on dogs? Generally, um, there's stuff labeled for dogs. Why wouldn't you just use it? Right. Yeah. Can it be it, generally, but should it be? Probably not, right? So it's usually instant gratification that causes people mm -hmm. to go out to Sally's and go buy some box color from mm -hmm. Sally's. Mm -hmm. Instant gratification is is not a good thing. <laughs> um, everything should be planned out. Colors should be planned out. You should have a spot test, right? And again, there's no standardization of this. So um, we so see a Deb, lot of in in this obviously part of learning, right? Part of learning is modeling after somebody else did you have anybody that was an inspiration or or other creative groomers along the oh, way definitely. that you just I mean you just you just all but stalked them right and just found out what can I what can I glean from them because obviously if people are seeking you out you probably did the same thing which I yes. highly recommend surround yourselves with people that are much smarter or more are much more talented than we are and we become more talented or smarter right uh, would you mind sharing some any any names you'd like Absolutely. to throw out there uh, I had the most amazing experience when I first got into creative. I kind of um, didn't have a lot of options when I was um, first doing creative, and I was um, I was buying the like the the version of um, who was making it. Um, like I think it was like from Ryan's or something, and it was just like it was kind of like manic panic, but it was for dogs. Mm -hmm. And that was like kind of the first color out there, you know. And it didn't really stick to the dogs, and it was kind of you know, rough to deal with, right? And so I was just sort of teaching myself. And then I saw that there was a class from Lori and Angela at Maryfield Kennels where Pina was working in Fort Lauderdale, where that's where I used to live. That's where I, you know, grew up. So I went down to visit my mother and she paid for the class for me as a gift. And I went through this class and it was two days long. It was the most eye-opening, like, I could not believe that I, like, you know, had this opportunity, you know, and it was amazing meeting them, picking their brain. Um, I so went it's Angela Cumpy and Lori yeah. Craig, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I adore them both, and they know it. So, <laughs> um, so I was able to learn um, some things that really probably helped me early in the beginning, because I hadn't really been experimenting a lot on my own. Um, which was good. <laughs> and so when I learned a lot of this stuff and just kind of, um, and they're, they, you know, they're, they want creative standardized as well. Like they're like, you gotta learn. You can't just fly by the seat of your pants, you know? Um, so I took the class and I competed the next, the, the, the next competition. It was the all American show. So it was awesome. It was my first time competing and I got first 
um, first place and entry level. So I was like, yes. Wow. <laughs> so it was amazing. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so like, I, I, yeah. So, you know, I, and I guess, you know, uh, to, to start kind of wrapping it up and, 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 you know, to kind of bring everything together, I think Deb, what you, what you've helped describe is not only telling us your story, thank you so much. Cause your story is, is one that, that I hope is inspiring to some of the Hey Joe listener audience out there. And that there's somebody that can have the same type, the same type of feeling as you have about people that you watched and who taught you. Um, but also it's so diverse. Your, your path is so diverse that you've opened a lot of doors because of continuous learning yes. because of the desire to market yourself, the yes. desire to be, to seek judgment, which I'm, I wrote that one down. That one's going to be a big one. Um, maybe even, maybe even another podcast episode worthy that we talk about what is this seek judgment? And we just really unpack that. So I would love to have you on for another episode to yeah. talk about that. Um, but again, and also to be part of change and to be part of standardization and to be part of bringing what I'd like to say, bringing the professionalism to the profession. Deb, thank you so much for hopping thank on this you. podcast episode with us. I'm sure that there are plenty of people that have listened to this that are now inspired and hopefully ignited to do something different. I hope so. So to all of you, Hey Joe listener audience out there, thank you again for listening to this uh, episode of the Hey Joe podcast. There'll be more exciting episodes coming up very soon. Thank you all. Take care, Deb.